OTB. Probably days we were questioning maybe whether this would ever happen first. So now, you know, as I said, it's special and it'll be all undone. Is the only thing if you don't get over the line next week. So um, everything now is riding on that one. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. It is uh, early January, which means it's depth chart season when it comes to the Irish rugby team for uh, the Six Nations. And I'm delighted to say Alison Miller is with us. Alison, uh, good morning to you. How are you? Uh, good, how are you? Yeah, good. Um, getting to that stage where the team news is coming through from other countries about injuries that are going to take players out of the Six Nations. And we're like, so far, it's actually... So Sexton got injured, but it looks like he's going to be back. So, so far, touch wood, with loads of games to still be played, we're in a relatively good spot, which means picking your depth chart is fairly straightforward, I think, from your perspective. We've asked you for the wingers, centres and fullback, and um, this isn't very complicated at the moment, is it? <laughs> I'm laughing at that because I found it quite hard. I found it difficult. Um, obviously, because you're looking at the different provinces and who's playing well. Like some provinces there aren't playing particularly well, but... And then you're judging it on like when they go into camp, uh, who performs in camp and who's bringing form in and then who fits into the system and who works well together. So <laughs> I didn't think it was that straightforward. But um, my 11 was James Lowe. Um, my 12 is Bundy Aki. Now that's presuming that Henshaw is out. I'm just ruling him out. He might be back. He might not be, but I'm just ruling him out. Uh, 13, Gary Ringrose. Uh, 14, Mack Hansen and 15, Hugo Keenan. Um, let's start with Mack Hansen. He got the haircut. I still haven't seen the haircut, but everybody's raving about it. Uh, I haven't either. It's apparently the first time since he got to Ireland he's had his haircut, which is okay, right. There was like... Uh, Interesting timing. Well, it is. He, he said his, his form was a bit listless over the last few weeks and then bounced back after the haircut. So anyway, because uh, he's got the scrum cap on, I can't tell the difference. But... Uh, I, we were talking about this at the end of the year, looking back, and, and one of the questions in the crappy quiz was, when did he make his debut? And if you told me he made his debut in the middle of COVID for Ireland, I would have said, yeah, that makes sense. But it was only last year in the Six Nations that he made his first full start, which, when you think about it, mm. is a meteoric rise. And he's straight in, and no one's no one's blinking there. Yeah, he looks very comfortable playing for Ireland, and he's consistently played well for Ireland when he's got his opportunities, like... Um, I think he's a kind of winger that Andy Farr likes. He gets off his wing, he gets involved, he goes roaming. He's very good in the air and he's impressed. Every time he's got an opportunity for Ireland, he's impressed. And I think that just says it all about him. He's obviously a guy for the big day and that shows. So like he hasn't done anything wrong. Obviously, you know, sometimes your form in a province or, you know, your quality of ball that you're getting can affect um, your form and that's why I'm saying like sometimes then when you go into camp things can can change up and who's performing in a Six Nations camp um, you know it, it can be not as straightforward as that and who who slots in well into the system that they're trying to play but uh, I've been very impressed with him um, since he's debuted for Ireland and he's, he's scored some good tries and he's constantly being involved yeah I, I don't know if we understood that he was an X-Factor style player when he was in the team but as soon as <clears throat> he scored the try against France that time you're like alright okay I didn't what we never scored tries like that that's amazing <laughs> yeah he has a bit of flair and I think you can see in his personality he's a bit of a character and I think sometimes as a winger I think you have to have a bit of that um, flamboyance nearly you have to have that 
willingness to, to do something special and try things. And he, he certainly has that. And, um, I'd, I'd say from his rugby that he really enjoys it. So I think playing at that high level and where there's pressure, I'd say it suits him. It suits his personality. Uh, James Lowe obviously is, is on the other wing and uh, Lowe, brilliant in uh, the three test series against the All Blacks and then was injured for ages and there was an opportunity there for other people to come in and stake a claim and we really wanted to see how Balakoon would do and Balakoon did okay. He did like totally fine for somebody who's uh, at that few few caps stage but unfortunately at the weekend another hamstring injury from Balakoon the Belfast Telegraph are speculating that that might put his Six Nations in doubt and so that's a bit of a disaster from his perspective. So who who else is close to these two at the moment? Who's pushing either of these two to get into the team for you? Uh, I think uh, Jimmy O'Brien and uh, Larimer for me are like Larimer is starting to come into kind of the form that he showed probably um, or the sh- form that he shows when he's playing really well. He obviously was man of the match there was it last weekend the weekend before he's got really good feet um, and then Jimmy O'Brien. Obviously, he's quite versatile in that he could cover, obviously, 15 as well. But the two of those guys, I think, would be, for me, uh, pushing those two, James Lowe and Matt Hansen. And, uh, like, O'Brien is one of these people that um, just does the simple things well. He's a good distributor, defensively good, you know. Um, you know, obviously, we don't need to talk. We all know what Larmer can do. His amazing feet. Um, and he was really, really good two weekends ago. So for me, those two guys are are there and thereabouts, and who knows within the environment of um, Six Nations camps how things might look. So, um, yeah, those two for me were the kind of the ones that are staking a claim or, you know, potentially still be in it. We, we don't know, I suppose, the ins and outs of the internal workings of, as I, I keep saying, a camp <laughs> Is- environment and who's training and playing well. Is this Six Nations, Alison, a perfect opportunity to, to play someone like Jimmy O'Brien a little bit more, especially when it's a World Cup year, especially when you maybe want to give some players a rest? I know the World Cup is still what's months and months away, but it's an opportunity to showcase players and to see what they can do in, in, in a pressurised environment. Yes, yeah, the age-old argument that I think if we're actually seriously going to try and contest a World Cup for once <laughs> and not come back and talk with us after, we got to actually try people. And like, if we're looking at, like, to me, Hugo Keenan is, like, nailed on 15. He's just, he is so solid. He's so consistent. He's a good distributor. He's very good in the air. He's quite evasive without, I suppose, sometimes you look at him and he kind of, like, sliding and weaving through tackles that he shouldn't get through. So, for me, like, could you play someone like Jimmy O'Brien at 15 in a game during the Six Nations and try out these combinations because Hugo Keenan can't play every game in the World Cup. So for me, it is about um, putting guys into pressurized situations in a big competition and seeing how they perform so you know then that they're um, ready for a World Cup. We don't want to be talking about the same thing after this World Cup. Like, you know, there, there will be no point if... And other people have different opinions on this that would be my opinion on it. I think you have to do that. I think you're right. I think it's the definition of insanity to keep doing the same thing and expecting something different. And I think you raised the point if we're serious about this, like within the IRFU's business plan, we don't plan to reach a semi-final. Like we don't bank on it. We don't, and I, I, you know, competing in the Six Nations is the be all and end all. That's the bread and butter that's where all of the, the funding, money comes from. You know, yeah. and it's like, okay, but like, 
that's where the money comes from because we've never tried. We don't know what it would be like. We don't know how much extra revenue you would generate if we were to reach a semi-final, you know, with a team that's doing well at, at world level. We don't know what it would be like to dream of being the World Cup winners. Like, oh, we can't dream about that. I mean, that's... yeah, because like, what would that do? Like, it would, it would make every young boy and girl out there want to play the game that might be going down other sports because it's not to them. It's just something that's not capturing their attention, but what better way to capture attention so you get more people into the game and then that will start to yield results. So You're uh, you're from a GAA family, right? Like oh, steeped, yeah. steeped in GAA. So what do you make Completely. of that? What do you make of, I, I, uh, I watched your dad play for a tie in, in the 80s. Um, yeah. What, um, what do you make of that joy that so many people in the GAA community take whenever the rugby team fails? Mm. <laughs> I think it's changing. I think uh, I think there's. I'm actually in a room and we'll have to walk. The lights are going. I can see me. Two seconds. There are censored lights. Give me a minute. <laughs> we were having issues ourselves this morning. <clears throat> it is. It is something that that. Sorry, technology. I'm back. So I think that's changing. I think uh, like definitely the rugby community um, or the GA community definitely feel more part of rugby. And I think maybe like. You know, there is still that, I suppose, you know, exclusive to some parts of rugby and maybe they just feel a little bit, um, what's the word, removed from that if that's not their their avenue. Obviously, guys like Sean O'Brien, Tyke Furlong, and all these guys that have come up through the club system have kind of changed the game. But I definitely think from, like, I'd be still involved heavily in GA and helping with a team in Carlo at the moment. And the majority would, would really get behind rugby they would like I, I would have to say that majority will go watch it and they'll go to the games and they'll but I think the next step is sometimes they don't feel like they could play and that's kind of the issue like so they'll support it and they'll enjoy it and they'll watch the World Cups and they'll watch Six Nations and they'll go to games but it's uh, why do they maybe feel like they won't play so um, and some of them are playing but um, yeah it would probably be a small cohort of any um what's the word, group of people in other sports that would take satisfaction in seeing another sport lose. You know, I'm sure that's the same in other sports. Yeah, but, look, uh, there's definitely a, a soccer a crowd who uh, also have the same feelings about... You know, there's, there's, the only shared crossover of the Venn diagram is a shared hatred for the rugby team doing well. And, <laughs> and look, I understand there's a lot of hype around the rugby team, but I, I do wonder if there's a, a... At the core of it is a fear of the, if, the, if, the, if the rugby team actually delivered on what they're capable of doing then a lot of heads would be turned and a lot of time and investment and energy and the best young players in the country would aspire to be rugby players as opposed to um, playing GA or soccer. Yeah, that's probably definitely the case, I think, um, because it is quite, um, compared to soccer even, like, I mean, if you, no disrespect, maybe the League of Ireland, but if you wanted to make it big in soccer, you might have to go off to England or whatever. But in Ireland, you've got your four provinces there within reach and you become professional and it's it's attractive and um, so yeah maybe there is that fear but I think also on the other side of it some of our most promising athletes as you know yourself being involved in GA like you, you look at any club team or county team and the athleticism of of, do, of those guys and, and girls um, is phenomenal and it's 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 what our country plays it's like I think I think we have to even look at a bigger picture like if you think of mine from Leash I mean, there's two, only two rugby clubs in the whole of Leash, but I mean, within a small area where, I, where I'm from, you've got like a lot of GA clubs and it's kind of 
they love playing. And so, like, if we had success in a World Cup, what could that do? Yet so much more people playing, maybe more clubs. And who knows, we could be like, world beaters. Like, you yeah. know, I'm ambitious. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's an interesting one because I think there's still probably a small cohort if you're thinking of, like, say, Leinster rugby um, outside of Dublin. Um, it's probably not as extensive as, you know, your your areas in Dublin that are playing rugby. Definitely loads of work to be done. Definitely loads. Of, sorry, that was a complete tangent of, of discussion there. <laughs> sorry to throw <laughs> it on you. Just, for tangent. But it, I, I, I think it, um, it is an interesting, uh, an, an interesting thing to think about at this stage when um, we could do it more depth. We could definitely do it more depth. Um, to go back to the, the depth chart, you pick Bundyaki at 12 and you pick Gary Ringo at 13 on the basis, really, as you said, that Henshaw isn't fit at the moment. We thought McCluskey was kind of getting to that stage where he might be in consideration for this, but he's, he's just not as good as Bundy or as effective as Bundy. Yeah, like I thought, like he did impress me in the Autumn Internationals and he was obviously unlucky in that first game to do the arm injury and he came back. But I think... Like he did well. I, I'm not saying he did. He didn't do well, but he just. I don't think he just did enough to kind of usurp um, Bundyaki. I think Bundyaki has that Test match experience. He's proven at that level, and I think he's obviously huge physicality and he's proven. So I think like McCluskey is is not too far behind, but I think he just just did like he's obviously McCluskey. He's a great because brilliant ability to offload. He's physical. He's quite a good good distributor and we were seeing more of that especially when he was in green and um but I just don't think he's just done enough to state the claim to be over Bundy in that sense. You had Hugo Keenan, was it at fifteen, Alison as well? Like yeah. I am looking at last year's Six Nations squad and you see someone like Michael Lowry in there and I know he's just returned back into the uh, Ulster team as well after being rested, but like will the the Ulster players, for example, suffer as a result of their absolutely shocking form? Uh potentially Potentially, but I think at the same time, um, depends on Andy Farrell is doing it. He knows the caliber of those Ulster players and what they can produce. And like, you know, that can happen. Like it would have happened to me over the years where you mightn't have had a particularly good lead into Six Nations playing for your province and you didn't play well. But I mean, at the end of the day, Andy Farrell knows what they're capable of. And if, if they're in a system, which they are in Irish and there's certain things going on, I mean, there has to be that element too that um, once they come into camp, they, they should have time to maybe see what they're about. But it doesn't help. It certainly doesn't help matters. Um, because Mike Lowry, like, he's a good, he's like an exciting player. He's a good distributor. And like, as I said, I, I don't think Hugo Keenan can, like, if we're going to be smart about trying to achieve at a World Cup, I don't think maybe he should play every single game in the Six Nations. Like, um that's just my opinion, and I am I would be very different to a lot of people on this, but because um, I'd be thinking more about trying to achieve at a World Cup as opposed to um, having the same old <laughs> argument after. I'm sick of it. Like, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think um, potentially it might affect them just slightly, you know. But you're hoping they will get the opportunity when if they if they get chosen into into a camp into a, like into a squad. Alison, great stuff. Thanks for joining us this morning. Cheers. No hassle, guys. Have a good day. Bye-bye. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.